Welcome, everybody, to the 10th thrilling episode of the Metabilis 2 podcast, featuring myself, Ben, and also... Your cohort in arms, David. Excellent. So welcome, everybody. I think this week we were going to continue our discussion on the master yes which i think we're both very excited to do because he is i think uh, we both share a, a love of that character but i think the first thing we we're going to touch on was first order the, of business <laughs> the first order of business uh, here ye is the um announcement this week of the animation of the power of the daleks yes which i think is in some ways it's a little bit I think for some people that I've been observing on the in, on the internet, that's it's a little bit disappointing because it means that Power of the Daleks has not been recovered mm-hmm. from the fabulous African adventures of um, the African adventuring recovery man, whose name currently Philip Morris. Philip Morris, exactly. Is his name Philip Morris? Really? It, it is indeed. <laughs> I don't think I ever really fully connected that. Yeah. So yes. the so the cigarette making and Doctor <laughs> Who discovering adventurer Philip Morris. The uh, Indiana Jones of the missing episodes. Exactly. Um, so he hasn't discovered Power of the Daleks. Uh, I'll tell you what excited me the most mm-hmm. is that there are three graphic creators who are involved in that project, and mm-hmm. they, they revealed themselves last week. One of which is Martin Garrity, who I think is currently the preeminent illustrator of the uh, Doctor Who magazine comic strip. I think he's absolutely superb. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of his work as a, as a comic book artist. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is Adrian Salmon, who is, again, a superb comic book artist and designer. Mm-hmm. His work on the one-page strips of the Cybermen in Doctor Who magazine in the 1990s, some of the best comic book work that's ever been done, in my opinion, on Who. Hasn't he also done some work with Big Finish, too? He does. He does all the Benny, uh, the Bernie Summerfield covers. I actually own some of his original art. I'm looking at it right now. He's, he's just brilliant. He does the spot illustrations in Doctor Who magazine for Time mm-hmm. Team. Has done those mm-hmm. for many oh, years. Oh, right. The, kind of the, the knockout ones. Yeah, yeah. And he's just a great stylist. Very, very talented man. And then uh, the, I think the final artist who was working on that project is a man called Daryl Joyce who is a superb Who fan artist and has done some amazing, I mean, Mm. seek seek them out if you haven't seen them, amazing recreations, especially the Pertwee era of uh, the demons and um, and the invasion of the dinosaurs as kind of big screen screen effects. Yeah, I hadn't heard... uh... Uh, Joyce's name uh, linked with the animation, so that's that is news to me. Well, yeah, I, I'm I, I'm friends in inverted commas with him on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the imagery that he's been posting this week, I guess I haven't had it fully confirmed, but it basically implies that he certainly he's been doing some of the background work ah, for okay. for that. Um, uh, so yeah, so it's, so it sounds like the BBC have actually spent some money on it um, mm-hmm. and have hired the right people to do the job, which is not not always the case. Yeah, from what I have read is BBC America ponying up the cash to make this possible. Oh, is it BBC America? Oh, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't read that. It's oh. a joint venture from BBC America and BBC Worldwide. So oh, yeah. I think the deep pockets probably are from the Americans. Yeah, USA, USA. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, great, so they can start animating the, the rest of it as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see how this is received. It's... It's possible. It's bittersweet, I guess, for me to see the power animated because it really is kind of an admission that, yeah, we probably aren't going to get the power of the Daleks back. Right, right, right. So and one of the nice things, one of the wonderful things, like with the enemy of the world, is just watching Patrick Troughton's, the actor, yeah. facial expressions and just what he did with the body language and just his movements. And you're, you're just not going to get 
Patrick Troughton, no matter how wonderful the animation is, yeah. through yeah. animation. Yeah, and I, I, I 100% agree with you on that one, actually. I think as much as I've enjoyed the animated reconstructions of the, part of the Troughton era, the, it is a glaring omission or, or whatever, however you want to describe it. It is so obvious in those animations that what those stories are missing is simply Patrick Troughton's genius acting skills and just being the Doctor, basically. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so we shall see, I guess. Yeah. It's interesting that they're tying it in with the 50th anniversary of the actual debut of Patrick Troughton in The Power of the Dogs. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, ex- yeah. exciting, exciting stuff. Yeah, Exciting put, times. Yeah, they put together a, a good team for this, and I think the director is the one who uh, led the animation of the Lost Dad's Army episode. Uh, yes. Strike for Fraser. So. Strike for Fraser, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so obviously they know what they're doing. They're actually putting some money into it. We're not, mm-hmm. kind, of, we're not kind of scrabbling around for cash in a post-Brexit mm-hmm. BBC. <laughs> so I think, I think it's our patriotic duty as Doctor Who fans to buy this mm-hmm. remade episode in every possible format. Um, <laughs> Digital download, DVD. Digital download, DVD, get a um, subscription to BBC America, do the whole thing so they mm-hmm. keep on making more of these. And uh, the hipster retro vhs copy that's going to be coming out exactly yeah with the kind of fuzz the kind of vaseline fuzz so it looks mm-hmm. as though it's it's been it's from it's from it's a it's an off-air recording of some right. kind yeah exactly <laughs> a little bit of static exactly exactly okay um so uh back to the master then, yeah or? so i yeah. guess we left off right at the end of anthony ainley's tenure with survival and the video game segues Yep. And so we're heading on into 1996 and an American playing the master, Eric Roberts. Yeah, <laughs> Eric Roberts. So, so uh, David, give us your take on Eric Roberts. I always dress for the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> it is a product of the 90s by and far. <laughs> Just with Perfect. the CGI snake and... Uh, CGI just, snake, yep. Very, very the abyss. I'm, I am not a big fan of continuity, and I don't like Doctor Who's canon, so to speak, yeah. getting in the way of a good story. But what were they thinking? I have no no idea <laughs> where this snake master came from. and just He's on trial by the, the Daleks are putting him on trial for some reason. Which, well, you could understand that. The, the whole Dalek war in the Pertwee era just yeah. didn't go their way, so... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. They would have put him on trial. Um, but yeah, the the kind of icky, the kind of yeah CGI snake thing was weird. Mm-hmm. I actually I like Eric yeah. Roberts as an actor. Okay. I don't know why he's doesn't do more actual proper acting. <laughs> he's in like just hundreds of B movies. Mm-hmm. They probably pay better, less work, and less work, more yep. pay. Exactly. Yeah, that's maybe that's maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of a movie called Runaway Train, which uh, starred Eric Roberts and John Voight, okay. another crazy man. <laughs> Very much so. Which was made by the uh, Russian director, Alexander... I'm not going to remember his second name. Anyway, it's set like in Alaska, and uh, John Voight and Eric Roberts have to escape from a prison, mm-hmm. and they escape from a prison, and then they get stuck on a train, uh, which is careening out of control um, through the Alaskan wilderness. It is an awesome movie, mm-hmm. and 
and Eric Roberts is amazing in it. Huh. So he can totally do the job if that's what he wants to do. Um, and I think, and actually, mm-hmm. I thought he did a pretty good job as a particular kind of master. Um, I think one of the downsides of the Anthony Ainley performance is obviously, you know, John Nathan Turner said, "Okay, Anthony, you've got to make it as much as you can like uh, Roger Delgado because that's what the fans right. want." the fans don't want that the fans want like a really good mm-hmm. master is who mm-hmm. they want i appreciated the fact that he was giving us a different a different take on this character mm-hmm. so that's i i did enjoy mm-hmm. that but yeah i mean the whole movie was kind of a mess to be yeah, honest so it suffered from that suffered from the characterization i think he probably would have been okay as a master per se it's just the whole tv movie i think as a story itself is not the best in th- and i no, kind of no. a disaster yeah, and, I, and I, th- I think we both agree on the TV movie, and again, maybe we could have a TV movie-centric episode in the future, though I hope we don't. Oh, boy, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we'll my... be scraping the barrel then. <laughs> we will. We no will offense be. to the fans it's of epi- the 1996 <laughs> movie, but oh, my gosh. Episode episode 150, yeah, okay, it's TV movie time. Um, no, I, I remember thinking at the time, okay, this, this TV movie is based on two shows, mm-hmm. Uh, that were popular in the big nine in the mid nineties, which are two shows that I did not enjoy. Um, X Files. X Files. I still don't like the X Files. The X Files to me is just Scooby Doo in reverse. <laughs> Instead of it always being not a ghost, it always is a ghost. <laughs> and Highlander, um, mm. which is like, ooh, immortals have this battle beyond the heavens that no one can really understand and no one can really care about either. And it was a, an easy mishmash of those two shows. And they should have realized there could only be one Highlander. There could. There, there can only be one. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I, I guess maybe he's too expensive, but they should get him back to do some big finishes. Oh. <laughs> should they? Yeah, I think they should. They should do American ones. Oh, that would be uh, interesting. Maybe not. Anyway. Oh. It would be interesting. Oh, I just remember, was it around, it was probably an April Fool's joke, but the guy who plays Ash against the Evil Dead. Oh, yeah, Campbell. Yes, um, Bruce Campbell, who would be great. He would be great. He'd be a great, he'd be a great Doctor Who. I mean, he'd be, you know, he'd be the perfect <laughs> cast if you if had to do an American. <laughs> <laughs> so for April Fools this year he uh tweeted a picture of himself as the doctor and with a caption that said eh, something like after more than 50 years of venturing through time space in the United Kingdom <laughs> the doctor is finally coming to America and then they have uh, <laughs> Bruce Campbell as the doctor with open open kind of a 70s lounge shirt with a gold chain and <laughs> oh perfect <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, why not? The Hugh Hefner Doctor. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Why not have a big finished American Doctor Who with <gasps> Eric Roberts and Bruce Campbell? Yes. <laughs> yes. I would buy the crap out of and that. And just do a pastiche of 70s. Oh, my God, yes. 70s television, 80s television. So you Yeah, like a Miami Vice. Starsky um, and Hutch. Oh, Selleck. <laughs> Tom, Tom Selleck, oh, no, what's Hawaii the, Five-0. Tom Selleck, Hawaii. What's, what's the one where he's on the island? Oh, Tom Selleck, uh, Magnum oh, PI. Yeah, what is Magnum PI? Yeah, yeah. With Bruce Campbell as the Doctor and Eric Roberts reprising his role as the Master. That is that is Doctor Who unbound to the max, and I would completely the American, buy that. Yes, Americanized version of Doctor Who, pure <laughs> and simple. We should pitch that. That's brilliant. <laughs> Filmed a course in Vancouver, British Columbia. <laughs> exactly. Just, exactly. Just, just like the TV movie. Yeah, in a slow drizzle. Exactly. <laughs> it's just an homage. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, oh my God. Well, okay. All we'll right. Write up Movie's that pitch and on. send it off to Nick Nick Briggs and Nick Briggs. Yeah, he, he leap at it. Leap oh, at definitely. It. Yeah, and of course. But, 
because we both live in America, obviously we can get a hold of both Bruce Campbell and oh, Eric yeah. Roberts very, we very have easily. So many connections. Yeah. I'll just look. I'll just oh, look yeah, at my phone here. <laughs> yeah, I just might look at my Rolodex. Yeah, LinkedIn. I'm sure there's a connection somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> asked, yeah, asked to link with Bruce Campbell on LinkedIn. Yes, exactly. So yeah, moving swiftly on, we come to the new series, and um... that was one of the moments in which I was surprised in New Who. Right. The fact that we had the master at the end of Utopia was a surprise to me. And you were mentioning last week that that's one of your pinnacles of modern who. Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually, I can remember it. My lovely wife and I were watching. We were, because we're such Bruce Campbell fan, uh, jet setter <laughs> style people. We were flying back from L.A. on an airplane. We were flying back to Minnesota and I had my laptop and I had a copy of uh, Utopia, mm-hmm. and we watched it on the watched it on the plane using joint headphones, and our, 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 our literally our jaws dropped to the ground mm-hmm. when it was revealed. And again, it was because so, it was a callback mm-hmm. as well, because um, we'd already had. And I, this is actually, I think that that third season of New Who is probably my favorite season um, with Martha Jones. Interesting. Okay. Um, I love the Family of mm-hmm. Blood two-parter, where we establish the fact that Time Lords can put their uh, their entire personalities mm-hmm. into this pocket watch yeah. um, and become somebody else. It was a complete callback mm-hmm. to that, you know. And, and what was so great, of course, is that two-parter in mid-season had sort of established in a kind of very satisfying and complete way how the pocket mm-hmm. watch works. So we weren't. It wasn't. It wasn't a kind of a MacGuffin or you know Chekhov's gun. Where like, okay, they got this pocket watch thing. That's going to have to pay off somewhere further down the line. Mm-hmm. It had already paid off in the, in the um, Family of Blood. But when it came back, and you know, and you see, you know, this kind of amiable old buffer played by Derek Jacobi, who I think apparently, as far as I know, is actually is actually mm. a Who fan. I uh, he appreciates the show. Right. This amiable old buffer, you know, and his funny insectoid sidekick. Yeah. Suddenly, oh my God, he turns out to be the master. Fabulous. Love it. I like to sidekick, and again, this is an example of RTD creating characters just to kill them off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would have, I would have watched more episodes with Chan though, and I thought she was really good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Chan, yeah, Chan, I thought uh, she was really good though. Mm-hmm. She was played by Chipo Chung. Yeah, and she came back in the Donna episode with the Beatles. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah she was yeah, the kind so of slightly racist um, style, um, kind of fortune teller, ja- Chinese fortune teller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I would have liked to see Chantho a lot more. Yeah. And I, again, I guess it's a really complicated prosthetic. I mean, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it's something that they didn't think they could reproduce week on well, week on week. Yeah, and again, this is a character created solely for. RTD to kill off yeah, and, yeah. in a most horrible way with Derek Jacobi yeah. as the as the master yeah. killing off his companion effectively exactly exactly so yeah I think then the regeneration into John Sim and mm-hmm. I mean David I don't know whether you had watched any Life of, 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 of Life on Mars mm-hmm. and I can't remember whether Amanda and I had watched Life on Mars before John Sim was cast as the master or whether we thought he was so awesome as the master that then we thought we we better watch Life on Mars. But he's, he's a really good actor, and I, mm-hmm. I thought he did a really good job as the master. I'm not so hot on the kind of jumping master that appears at the end in the final episodes of, of David Tennant. I think that was a little bit weird and badly thought out. But certainly mm-hmm. the arc in, in, the, um, in that season of the master and his victory 
we finally see what it's like when the master wins. So I I like the sound of drums. I didn't like, uh, well, I was already kind of had a bad taste in my mouth with the RTD arc with killing off Chantho. Right. But then when the introduction right. of the beef jerky doctor, the Dobby doctor. <laughs> the Dobby doctor, yeah. <laughs> Dobby doctor, it was, no. No. <laughs> this is not, this is not what right. I want in Doctor Who. It just... Well, we had, for example, we had with uh, Leisure Hive, um, the elderly Dr. Tom Baker with That's the big true. beard and yes. that kind of stuff. And there's no point yep. to it. Uh, it didn't make sense to me why we would have this little shriveled raisin gnome be the doctor. Because we know that um, Time Lords, that isn't what happens to Time Lords when you age them. I'm, mm-hmm. maybe, and then, but maybe, you know, maybe the master was aging the doctor in a different kind of way. Who knows? Who knows? Different yeah. way, right. And then we saw Matt Smith and... Yeah. The Christmas episodes or the, the yeah. time of the doctor. And it just it just didn't work for me in the whole plot conclusion of it was the Tinkerbell resolution we where we had to yeah. clap really hard or yeah. just believe. And so again, I really liked seeing the yeah. master back. I liked how they worked the uh, vote for Saxon. Yeah, I liked the master's yeah. wife. I I like that interplay. I like Johnson, but I just didn't like what RTD did with him. That's so much the case with his era is I like his ideas. I liked his casting, but I just didn't like how he executed on his ideas. I think broadly, I think broadly, I'd I'd agree with you, actually. I think uh, I think sort of in some ways watching the RTD era, I sort of from time to time kind of zoned out the kind of macro plot the the story and just kind of you know focused in on the mm-hmm. very the super cool character details. And I love mm-hmm. the way that he brought in the kind of sexual connotations of the word master. You know, where John Sim asked the Doctor, "You call me master," which is which I think was a great little touch. Um, you know, the inter, again the inter, as you said the interplay between the Master's wife and the Master I think Lucy worked, yeah, <laughs> Lucy exactly. Mm-hmm. I love the ending where where John Sims' master, you know, refuses to let the Doctor save his life mm-hmm. because, again, you know, that's what the Doctor always does and that's mm-hmm. always the Doctor's victory is mm-hmm. that, you know, I will let you live. I thought that was really done. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the story's, like, just mm-hmm. bonkers and, like, you know, pants and nonsense and, and then it completely gets rewound back so everyone completely forgets that it ever happened mm-hmm. um but anyway you know and it I, just, yeah, so i sort of sort of started to zone out rtd's plots after a while and focus on the good stuff and again it's it's more confirmation that doctor who does not take place in our yeah universe where he meets with i believe the president-elect of the united states and sort of like uh this person has no power whatsoever why would he be meeting with exactly the unless of course you're, the, yeah exactly unless of course you're the president of mexico who meets with donald trump yeah, and there were some really unconvincing <laughs> Americans kind of whooping and hollering um, in a room. Yeah, that's, in a, that's in a, par for the course. <laughs> in a way that, that actually everyone else imagines Americans do, but I don't think they do as much as... Oh, as much we do as it we all like, the time. <laughs> like, as much as we like to imagine. Um, but yeah, you know, and I, I actually end the battle station as well, the flying, mm-hmm. you know, I can't remember what it's called now. Was um, it the flying unit ship or whatever? The flying, yeah, that, that actually was its name. Um, yeah, so the, like really, though. Anyway. So as you mentioned earlier, the Chekhov gun in the, in the whole season three worked well because they had introduced that earlier in the Santar yeah. and Stratagem. And yep. Like yep. With the same thing with the, the watch earlier. So Yeah, you know, that's, that, that is smart, smart mm-hmm. storytelling and smart, and smart plotting is you introduced a 
a vital plot element and you resolve it satisfactorily earlier on only to reintroduce it again i think is right. a very good way of handling kind of vital things like you know flying battle stations and secret secret pocket mm-hmm. watches it was rtd yeah. mining the wilderness years i think a lot for season three that's true that is that is very true yeah mm-hmm. and he did a good job and then what did you think of the master's wife or as uh, i guess the doctor or David Tennant called him in the time crash, his beard, <laughs> Lucy Saxon. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, she, I mean, she was really good. I mean, she, mm-hmm. she was an excellent character. Um, she was slightly wasted again, I think. Yes. Um, it, was, it was a great setup. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was the fact that someone picks up the master's ring at the end. Like, ooh, maybe she's picking up his ring and, mm-hmm. and maybe that will make her like the new master or something, which again mm-hmm. didn't happen, which was a mm-hmm. shame. Kind of looking forward her t- to her, you know, becoming all... Maybe she wouldn't need to become the new master, but she could have become, you know, like kind of a, I don't know. Precursor of Missy. Yeah, exactly. Or lead a master cult or something Mm -hmm. or something interesting. But, you know, maybe she didn't want to come back or whatever. But that never really So they finally brought him back in the following year with, I guess, has been much decried potions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I I didn't care. I, I mean, I didn't really care for that. That whole final two parter didn't really work. Did, didn't, mm-hmm. didn't didn't really work for me. And I thought the kind of jumping jumping master is like why why is he jumping around? Mm-hmm. And now everyone looks like him. Well, I guess that's something that he would enjoy. But how would how did it, would it actually happen? But anyway, yeah. I think RTD came up the idea or the joke of having the master race, and yep. so that whole thing was set up for that one joke, but it's sort of like, okay, so you had the joke. It would have been better as a children in need, one-off kind of <laughs> type thing yes. rather than within exactly. the show. rather than a, absolutely. Yep, I agree. I agree with that. Yep. Just doesn't... Doesn't work. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make... Doesn't... Yeah. Well... That's never stopped Doctor Who, but it doesn't work. That's true. It just doesn't no, work. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You're right. You're you are you are correct. Yeah. We talked about looking into the time vortex when the Master went insane, and so that ties into Rassilon, portrayed by yeah. Timothy Dalton, been able to control the master for his own way of escaping the time war or whatnot and yeah you start with a really good architecture a really good vision but over time things get eroded and changed and it's kind of like remodeling a house to a point where you've remodeled it so much that it collapses in on itself that you're not able to it doesn't make any sense anymore and that's how i saw rtd he had all these ideas and he kept tweaking and changing and stuff and he started out with this time war and the t- time lords are gone and whatnot and he started tweaking and it just all all just kind of collapsed in on him with the master as this leapy undead gallifreyan hungry for human flesh and energy it just uh I mean, I guess it was his version of the of the deadly assassin master, you know, a master that's kind of decayed and wrong and, you know... Did you think that? I, I thought it was more of the survival master of anything else, just instead of being on a planet... Of, oh, yeah, okay. Planet of the, oh, yeah, no, that, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep, yep, Instead yep. of being on the cheetah people, he was more on the planet of the zombies. Yeah. So... Yeah, no, that works. But, yeah, no, I, I agree, and I think, you know... This kind of you know, the setup mm-hmm. of the you know knock three times or whatever it was you'll knock a certain number mm-hmm. of times, which wasn't a, a satisfactory setup and and actually actually mm-hmm. wasn't also a particularly satisfactory mm-hmm. resolution either. It was a waste. Was yeah. A waste. So John Sims was a good master for David Tennant. I can understand why. Yeah. 
when Moffat brought back the master as Missy that he wanted to cast someone else. And uh, Michelle Gomez, I think, is a very good foil for Peter Capaldi. And she had mentioned in one of the interviews that she used to crush on Peter Capaldi when he was in the band in Scotland. So she's about (laughs) about 10 years ten years younger than him, but she used to have a little crush on him. So I she's a very good actress and I wonder how much she She's a very good actress. Wonder how much she plays up her 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 young lady's crush on. Yeah. And she's kind of like the demented Mary Poppins type figure. Well that kind of yes, I'll have to so there are two I, I, I think she does she's a good actress. She does a good job under I think difficult circumstances, mm-hmm. um given Moffat's inability to really resolve his writing in a way that that fully works. Mm. Uh, but, but my uh, one of one of these comments is going to make me sound really shallow, but I'll I'll say it anyway. The first comment is is I really don't like Mary Poppins. <laughs> I've never liked Mary Poppins. I don't like the movie. I don't like the books. Mm. I don't like the character. I the only the only point where I've even slightly enjoyed Mary Poppins as a thing is when she comes in to finish off the evil, demented Harry Potter apocalypse monster in Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen Century. <laughs> um, spoiler alert. Um, it's Mary Poppins who solves all that at mm-hmm. the end in the year 2000 mm-hmm. or whenever that comic book ends. Anyway, that's the only time. I, and I, 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 yeah, I, Mary Poppins just like really puts my teeth on mm-hmm. edge. Um, I've said many times that Mary Poppins the movie is the UK's Song of the South. Um, It is the way that Americans see Britain in the most offensive way possible. (laughs) So I I, I don't like Mary Poppins. But it has Dick Van Dyke in it. Yeah, he's so convincing as as a cockney. It's absolutely amazing. He's he's English, isn't he? I don't know. Anyway, so I'm I'm prejudiced against Mary Poppins. So I don't like the Mary Poppins imagery at all. I think they should drop that. Do you think it's the Disney Mary Poppins that ruined it for you? or Because Travers is an English author. So. She, she is. And I didn't like, when I was a kid, I didn't enjoy the Mary Poppins books at all. Okay. Um, so, so it's basically the movie and the books. Um, so I think they should complete drop. Complete non-starter. They should drop the Mary Poppins <laughs> thing completely. It mm-hmm. doesn't work for me. And that's why they should drop it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, actually, I don't really find, this is going to make me upset, I don't find her very attractive as a, as a, yeah, as a okay. woman. Which, well, that's all right, though. <laughs> which shouldn't be important, but I speak as a confidently heterosexual man. Mm-hmm. I do find Roger Delgado incredibly attractive as a mm-hmm. character and as a man. He's like, wow, you're so awesome. Anthony Ainley, mm-hmm. again, is kind of irritating. He's got a big square head. But again, he's you know he has a suavity about him. Um, mm-hmm. John Sim plays the master as a very, very sexual being. I'm skating over Eric Roberts and, you know, the desiccated beavers master and all those people <laughs> you didn't find those attractive i didn't find those attractive <laughs> at all but i i really yeah I, she's i mean she's a great actress but she doesn't really do it for me um mm-hmm. in the attractiveness stakes and i mean i'm okay this my fantasy master fantasy master i hope my lovely wife isn't listening <laughs> my fantasy master is the kind of a diana rig style avengers cat suited figure mm. that would be my female master i'm afraid because i'm mm-hmm. super shallow and super heterosexual and i apologize Mm-hmm. So you're looking for Catwoman. I'm looking for Catwoman. Yes, exactly. I'm looking for Catwoman, not Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. So that's that's me. Um, I don't know whether you share those sentiments at all, David, but that's just me admitting to my shallow, 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 shallow nature. 
I think Michelle Gomez is an attractive lady, and <laughs> <laughs> she does just fine with Mary Poppins. <laughs> Get up. <What's... laughs> she can keep doing what she's doing. She's an excellent master. Probably, I think, the best that we've had since Delgado. Really? So, the one that, Interesting. The thing that I don't, yep. the thing that I really don't like about the master portrayal or characterization is the total psychotic psychopath. I think the master is more thoughtful than that. Yeah, I don't think right, he's insane. Right, right. I think he is scheming, plotting, planning, but he's not cuckoo. Right. Interesting. So let me let let, let me let, let me question you. Where do you stand on? I'm sure. I mean, I haven't bothered to engage in any of these kind of debates because I think they're stupid. Um, where do you stand <laughs> on the fact that you know, the master used to be a man and or used to be male and now ostensibly? he has become a she and is female any any comments about that i i personally think it's fine i think it's great but i'm sure yeah, there's some fans who are like oh no he's supposed to be a man with a beard i don't care i don't care either no yeah and yeah, she whatever and, and, she, and she does a good job with it um mm-hmm. do i think i have more complaints about the moffat era than casting the master that is true there's master. more there's more to find wrong than that <laughs> i mean i have more problems with moffat's storytelling than his casting of michelle gomez as the mistress or the as missy the master missy the master. and i i guess in some ways i didn't get the same jolt of excitement from you know the reveal of missy being the master as i got from the reveal of Jarek Jacobi being the master. So maybe that no, also... Yeah, kind of, you know. well, I don't know if I was spoiled on that or not. It just, it seemed obvious. I guess I was more... I just didn't like the relationship. Right, right. How did you feel the contrast between the between Missy's debut episodes with the Cybermen and then her kind of comeback with the Daleks the, the, the following season? I liked her a lot better in The Magician's Apprentice, which is familiar, than I did in Dark Water, Death in Heaven. Absolutely. I agree with you 100% on that one. Yep. (laughs) My favorite favorite scenes in that. I I really didn't like what Moffat did with Davros in those stories, but I really liked what he did with Missy in those stories. And I liked that he uh, had her kick uh, Clara (laughs) into the Daleks. <laughs> exactly. It was. It was a, as, as. I mean, I think as you point out, it was actually it was a kind of real return to the the kind of Delgado mm-hmm. style uh, master as a kind of you know I don't know suave, not suave, but kind of yeah, just kind of bastard, kind of caddish, mm-hmm. like unpleasant, just kind of manipulative, humorous. You know, just kind of. It's sort of like yeah, go take a little closer look. Whoops, a little too close. <laughs> Hanging her upside down, and I just exactly because again, I mean, yeah, everyone hates Clara, so yeah, let's let's let the master take out our mm-hmm. dislike on her. Exactly. Well, I think a lot of fans love Clara, but oh. Clara is emblematic of the issues I have with the inconsistencies and twist of the Moffat era. Right. That I like. I like seeing Missy kick her in the hole. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's, you know, yeah, exactly. She's hanging her upside down and she's get covered, she gets covered. Yeah, at the very end, she's trying to trick the doctor into killing mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. which is fabulous. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, I mean, Master One, Roger Delgado, never got around to doing that with Joe Grant, but mm-hmm. I bet he wish he had. Mm. I, uh, maybe. I, I think he is that manipulative, but... I'm not sure those were his stakes. I think 
with 21st Century Who, the stakes are more on character and emotion rather than plot and story. So right. the master, the Delgado master, was all about plot and power, and Missy's more about attention, character, manipulation. Uh, I think I think they have different goals, and in that way, would it have been better to have Missy be entirely a new character? Oh, interesting. Entirely a new Time Lord, then, instead of continuing on with the Master. I mean, uh, would you be arguing for a return of the Rani instead? No, not at all. Because Missy is a very different character than um, Kate O'Mara's Rani would have been either, and there's no focus on the science unless they started to play up the whole idea of the dark water and whatnot i mean you could have went that way that it was a a scientific thing but really no i don't think it would kill the show to introduce a new time lord right brand new time lord from scratch a brand new rogue time lord Mm -hmm. that's um well hmm. we well with the doctor's wife we had the hint of the corsair we did the Corsair exactly. I hope we never see him, but or her, yeah. or her, <laughs> right? Or her, yeah. Because yeah. they mentioned so that was the first mention that uh, time lords can change their sex. I think it was in the Doctor. I think life. it was. Yeah, yeah. So there are other time lords out there. We know that the t- Gallifrey survived the time war. Why not have more time lords in there? Why? Why do we have to have Rasslin always being the leader of the time lords? It was sort of like. Did we really need to have Barusa go nuts and fall from grace? And yeah, that type of thing. It, it's sort of yeah. like, can we just have different time lords? And yeah. it's sort of like we're that's the problem I see with the new series, and that's the problem I see with Doctor Who as a show as it continues into fifty second, fifty third year, is that we're getting too wrapped up in continuity. We're too heavy on uh, mining the past or trying to Re, you know, like with Victory of the Daleks, it's a reinterpretation of the power of the Daleks. It's can we come up with new ideas, even if those ideas stomp on the continuity of the past? I'd rather see us have new ideas than say, oh, it's another return of the Brigadier. Oh, it's another return of the Master. I would like to see mm. new characters come in, new monsters, new stories come in rather than reuse, rehash, remind, reinterpret the mythology. Well, that was, yeah, exactly. I mean, that was what was so amazing, so wonderful about the RTD, you know, reboot or whatever. You know, the, That's what first season. great about, about New Who to begin with is taking a new start, and mm-hmm. here are some new monsters, and the other Time Lords are gone. There is no Gallifrey. Mm-hmm. We don't endlessly, just, as you said, kind of rehash a kind of Star Trek-style continuity that just mm-hmm. gets like a kind of a a tar that just kind of bogs everything down. And I think my hope for Chibnall is that he's going to sweep a lot more of that away, And uh, but maybe he won't. Who knows? I don't know what he's going to do. But um. I would like to see a series without any callbacks to any of the old monsters, old villains, except for I think you have to have a story with the Daleks. Um, the rumor is, or the uh, the interpretation of from the Terry Nation estate when they finally won, the permission to use the Daleks in series one yeah. was that the Daleks would have to appear every year. So I wouldn't want oh, to really? put, yeah, I wouldn't want to put that into jeopardy if that actually is a thing, but it would be right. very refreshing if the next showrunner or even Moffat in this upcoming series 
didn't have a story like where he wanted to leave his impact on the entire past history of Doctor Who, which I think is a kind of egocentric trait of Moffat is that he thinks he has the ability or the right to to fix what he sees wrong within the entire past of the Doctor or explain explain away continuity holes or reshape things, which is fine, but let's reshape it going forward. Let's not make Clara the most important companion and tell us that she's the most important companion because now she's in every single story in the past of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, New Who is now over, you know, obviously over over 10 years Mm -hmm. old. If you want to reuse old monsters, let's re- reuse some monsters from ten years ago. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, let's 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 bring back the Slitheen or the Gelf, <laughs> or the Gelf, or the Gelf is super, and they were mm-hmm. only for like ten seconds. Mm-hmm. Let's do that kind of calling back. Mm-hmm. I'd be more in favor of that than the more kind of cack-handed reintroductions. Well, you know, we've got to bring the Silurians back because that's what everyone expects, or and, the you know, Ice Warriors. And... We've got to bring back. And the, you know, it mm-hmm. was a. That was an okay episode. Um, I'm a big fan of David Warner, and mm-hmm. the more they have him in it, the, be- the better as far as I'm concerned. And Liam Cunningham is awesome. Mm-hmm. I love the whole Hunt for Red October kind of thing. But the Ice Warriors, they're actually little skinny things that live inside the suits. Oh, I yeah, don't really not care buying that, it. Yep. No, I'm not buying that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, never. I mean, and yeah. plus, I was never very a big fan of the Ice Warriors to begin with. And it's sort of like, you are going to waste Mars as the home of the Ice Warriors. Um, could, yeah, could we have better Martians, please? <laughs> yeah, please. We need better Martians. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. we and we there's pyramids on Mars for God's sake. You know, there's <laughs> far more interesting things that happen on Mars than some lumbering so, creatures. Going back to Moffat and and Missy, yeah, probably be amiss not to mention the most distressing thing in. Or the second, well, for for a certain segment of fandom, the most distressing thing was when Missy shot and killed Osgood on the plane. Yes, yes. And is that kind of a cheap shot by the showrunner to pull at the emotional heartstrings of their viewership? Or, you know, was that a necessary death to show how much of a killer the master truly is or Missy truly is? What, you know, what do you think of on that? I thought that was a mess, again, I'm afraid, because A, you know, Osgood is just brought back to, in the subsequent... With the, the explanation that she may or may not have been the Zygon. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, okay, so the couple of things in that scene, one of which you get these two security guards who are like kind of standing in the same room who are doing nothing mm-hmm. uh, to kind of prevent that from happening, which seemed to me absolutely ridiculous. There are so many things that Missy could have done to prove her badass psychoness rather than killing that character. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was a piece of lazy writing, to be mm-hmm. honest. Moffat knows that, you know, for certainly for some... For, some, for me as well, actually, Osgood's a, a pretty good character, mm-hmm. a little bit underdeveloped, but she's a friendly, a friendly, helpful character to the Doctor mm-hmm. and to, you know, build her up and then just, like, have her randomly killed in order mm-hmm. to establish something that we, we, that we already know about Missy mm-hmm. and, in, and in kind of a badly done way. Mm-hmm. Just didn't like it at all. So, nope. yeah, I like Dark Water. I thought it was a really good story, but then I think Moffat ruined it with Death in Heaven. So Yes, yep, yep, 100% agree with you as usual. Yep, so. yeah, yeah. So. Um, you were going to mention a second thing that we didn't like about Missy. What was it, or that we didn't like about Death in Heaven? Hmm. You said well, it's always it was, the brigadier. <laughs> well, it's the brigadier thing, yes, exactly, so, which I think I think we've already touched on is, is yeah. unnecess- unnecessary and also 
kind of ickily disrespectful to Nicholas Courtney being dead, I thought. Mm-hmm. But anyway, well, I just uh, espouse my thoughts on this last time. And I've already said that I agreed mm-hmm. with you on that. So, yeah, no, yeah, it, that's so, correct. So any uh, other thoughts on the master as a whole? Because the whole original premise was, is the master a monster or is he a villain? Is or, he a monster or is he a villain? Right. Um, he's he's a he, he or she is a bit of both, I okay. think. Um, I love the master, and there should be a lot more master stuff. I think I'm totally happy with the master being a missy, with the master being a mistress. I think she should be sexier, um, <laughs> uh, because I think that brings out the kind of queasiness of the mistress title. Mm. Um, I think so you int- want full dominatrix. Well, I think it's entirely possible that they marry Poppendise, though. And Mary Poppendising someone is completely neutering the active elements of their gender, I would have said. You know, the Mary Poppins figure is, is a... Is a, is a very particular kind of female, which I suppose maybe then if you flip that over to being someone who's evil and super powerful, maybe mm. works. But anyway, I would argue that they should sex her up a bit. Okay. Uh, well, really, yeah. That would increase my enjoyment mm-hmm. of that character. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, yes, that's just me, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, we'll pass that note along but, to Chibnall. <laughs> Exactly. Just put her in a cat suit. Put her in a cat suit. God's sake. At least once. I think that'd look good on Michelle Gomez. I think she'd look good in a cat suit. I think she'd look great in a cat suit. I think I think the the Mary Poppins get up Mm -hmm. is really is not doing her any favors. Mm At all, really. Um, but in general, point taken about mm-hmm. bringing on new characters, but the Master is a great character. And, and again, I, I think I, I definitely agree with you that uh, the downplay, the psychomegalomaniac aspect, and upplay the, I don't know, slightly odd person who is, I don't know, after mm-hmm. something that we're not quite sure what that is, which is mainly kind of just, <laughs> you know, jerking the doctor around as much mm-hmm. as possible. And, and we don't really know why. Um, I like that. And it's funny. I mean, the yes, the Magician's Apprentice two-parter was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. It literally made me laugh. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that we never figure out why. I really do no, not want to absolutely. explore no. Missy's motivations or the Master's motivations absolutely to why not. he or she is toying with the doctor or upset with the doctor. Um, I mean, Moffat again tried to go, he, uh, Missy wants the doctor to pay attention to her. Yeah. And uh, let's, let's, let's just leave it at that. Yeah, you know, which is, is kind of vaguely sexist in some ways, but you know, valid. And I think you know, it, it, I think I think that speaks to our desire for the show to have more mystery. And I think you know, a mystery could be time lords have needs and desires and actions that are actually beyond our understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and the relationship that the Doctor and the Master slash Missy have is a relationship that is a relationship based on emotions and, and actions and needs and ways of thinking about the universe that are beyond the comprehension of human beings. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. And how we see them interacting is the extrusion of their high-level beings into our kind of mundane dimension. And I love that. And, and mm-hmm. that's, that's how I see that relationship. You know, it's, as, 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 you, as you've said, and all I'm doing is actually just repeating what you've said, is that that should be a relationship that we should never be able to fully understand. And I'm completely mm-hmm. happy with that being, that fits with me in terms of how I understand the show and its dynamics. I would like to see it as when you're a little kid and you're watching grown- Absolutely. grown-ups, you really don't understand their motivations or what going on you're just you're just witness to it and i would like to be just witness to time lord interaction not trying to probe and understand the depths of their psyche trying to figure out what makes them tick more watching 
watching the clock move the hands. I, I that is I again I could I cannot fail to agree with you more. That is exactly <laughs> how I want my my time lord emotions to be um to be presented in this show. Okay. So Well that seems like Shall we leave it at that? I think that's a great way a great way to end it. I think that's okay. that's yes. Exactly. Um fantastic. All right. So you've been listening to the Metabulous Two, episode ten. I am David. And I am Ben. And wishing you a very good evening or day or whatever oh, time of day you yeah. are listening. Whoa, that was our master episode. <laughs> yes. And yes. hopefully we'll hopefully we'll see Michelle Gomez return in the next series and we'll have more to say. We'll have more to say. Maybe she will even slip out of her um, Mary Poppins costume and into something more comfortable and appropriate. <laughs> we we shall see. <laughs> we shall see. had a very clever idea. For a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. The medicine go down. Medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way.